Hey, it's Scott Petrick with another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. I'm coming to you live from Indianapolis, the site of the NFL Scouting Combine. We've talked to Browns General Manager Andrew Berry, Coach Kevin Stefanski, and a number of draft prospects. Here to break it all down with me is Dave Chodowski of Go, the WKYC Morning News. Chud, how are you doing, bud? Scott, I'm doing great. Jealous of you uh, in Indianapolis. I'm I'm here in uh, chilly Cleveland, Ohio, holding the fort down. But a lot of good memories in Indy, man, covering the Cavs playoffs and, uh, you know, different things throughout my career of going to Indy personally and professionally. It's a great city to be in, uh, no doubt. Uh, I've never actually gone to the Combine, though. Um, yeah, I, I, I've always thought the Combine was interesting because – it's kind of like one of those deals where for fans, it's like, I just can't get into it, but yet it's very important for the teams, right? I mean, it, it's something that, uh, you know, general managers and, and coaches, you know, you get, you, you figure things out there. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I, I think if you're not here and maybe you're not into the nitty gritty of the NFL, you know, schedule, um, it can kind of just be a bunch of noise. But when you're here, it feels important to me. Uh, it's a big step in the draft process. Obviously, free agency starts in two weeks from yesterday. So there's a lot of discussions going on within teams, among teams. So I, I think it is a big deal. And for a guy that's covered it now, I think this is year 18 or something like that. Um, I really enjoy it. And I, and I do think it's important. And, you know, we spent, I spent so much time focused on the Browns. And I don't watch a ton of college football. And this really kicks off the draft process for me. You know, you get to see these prospects up close. You get to, I like to size them up, right? How big is this guy? What's he sound like? How does he handle his interview? Uh, you put a name to a face, a face to a name. And for me, that's what the combine is about. In addition to, you know, running into former bronze coaches or talking to general managers kind of off the record. Um, there's a lot to uh, take in and absorb during this time in Indy, I think. Yeah, this is really important for you. I, you've told me that over the years that, uh, you know, you're able to get a lot of info and, and learn a lot from, from the combine. So, you know, this is, this is big for you and it, it goes a long way in, in what you write about throughout the year and your prep work and everything. Can you kind of outline for people what happens there? Cause yeah. it can maybe be a little bit confusing because it goes on for a lot of days and there's a lot of different things that go on, right? Because you have interviews at one point and then you have, you know, their workouts at another point. Yeah. Like for the players, like yesterday we talked to quarterbacks, receivers and tight ends. So the next day, so today, um, Thursday, those players, those position groups will work out and they'll be in Lucas oil stadium where the Colts play. And that's when they do the 40 and they do the, if you're quarterback, you throw, and if you're receiver, you run routes and, go through those drills. You do the vertical jump, the broad jump. Um, so it's kind of staggered. The interviews with the media are one day, the workouts are the next day. And then throughout the whole process, the players are interviewing with the teams, whether it's informally or formally. Um, there's a lot of meetings going on um, there, but it go, you know, there's all kinds of different position groups. So, uh, you know, I think the workouts continue through Monday, I believe. Um, and they get started today and NFL Network will show them. I will be in the first quarterback receiver session. Um, Midview graduate, Kent State guy, Dustin Crum, is going to be one of the guys throwing in that first session. So I want to watch him. He'll throw to, you know, receivers and tight ends. It's broken up alphabetically. So the guys at the 
beginning of the alphabet is who I'll get to see in that early workout. But it's fun. I've watched one of those workouts before. You know, you can see it on TV, but I'll be in a suite at the Lucas Oil Stadium, you know, breaking it down and just trying to keep an eye on Dustin and seeing how he's doing. Any big changes after the pandemic and COVID or is it is it back uh, to normal? Yeah, it's pretty much back to normal. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot of masks being worn. Um, but yeah, it's you're in a scrum. It's the first time I've been in a, you know, full on media scrum in a couple of years you know, where there's 50 people, you know, shoulder to shoulder. Um, I, I would say the crowd's probably a little bit smaller as far as number of media here. Um, but it's the same setup. It's the same, a lot of the same vibe. Um, you know, you, you've seen all these guys lined up and, you know, I mean, there's a, media, a barricade, so we're not super close to players, but we're close to each other. But yeah, it feels like, it did a couple of years ago. And then, you know, it's not all about just the draft. I should mention, right. Um, GM's talk, coaches talk to the media. Um, so because you do have that free agency component, right. That comes before the draft. Like I said, it's March 16th. It's league year starts March 14th. You get that two day negotiating window. Um, so there's a lot of those elements to take care of. Um, so to me, it's like you have the Browns part of the combine where you talk to Barry about potential free agents and what's going to happen with Jarvis Landry. And then you have um, the draft prospect part of it where you talk to quarterbacks and receivers and defensive linemen the Browns could draft. Sure. So Andrew Barry talked first. That was what, Tuesday? And then Stefanski was yesterday? Correct. And did we really learn a lot? Uh, I mean, maybe no breaking news, but – we know these guys don't tell you a ton, but you can kind of figure some things out because you are a master coder, correct? Yeah, right. I uh, try and get working on my doctorate in that. Um, yeah, there, yeah, there's no, you know, I, I would say there's no breaking news. I, the headlines to me were, if you look at brownzone.com, these are probably the headlines, but, you know, Barry reiterates that he fully expects Baker to be the starter. Um, Stefanski says he's still going to call the plays despite the struggles last year and the tweaks to the offensive coaching staff. Um, trying to think, you know, I mean, those are, oh, and then Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry's Jar a big one, right? Jarvis, yep. Yeah. They, yep. It, it sure sounds like they're ready to say goodbye to him. Um, Barry's going to meet with Jarvis's agent, and maybe they can come together on a restructuring, but the tone was certainly, you know, it's a business. We thank Jarvis for his service. He really helped to turn around. But, you know, but dot, dot, dot. And that's how it felt from Andrew Barry and even from Kevin Stefanski yesterday, talking about the business part of football. So, um, you know, I would be surprised if Jarvis stays. Um, and when you talk big picture, that means the Browns are going to have to find another receiver, right? And find another veteran receiver because um, they're not going to have the number one and two guys from the start of last season. And you're left with Donovan Peoples-Jones and Anthony Schwartz, Demetric Felton. And you need, what, one, two, three guys, probably in even at least two at the top of that depth chart. Wow, I could go one of two ways here, and the way I'll go is the way I go, and the way I don't go, I'll come <laughs> back to. I, I was going to go Baker Mayfield, but then now it's like, do I talk receivers? Let's, let's go Baker real quick and yeah. put that to bed. Uh, are, are, you're probably not surprised at what they said, and we talked about this uh, a few weeks ago around the Super Bowl. This is what you expected them to say, right? The question is, do you believe them? 
Exactly. Now, yeah, I expected them to say that because nothing has changed since the end of the season where Andrew Barry said the same thing, right? He fully expects Baker to be the starter in 2022 and rebound from a disappointing season, a disappointing, comma, injury-filled season. So nothing has changed for Andrew Barry to change his stance. Now, if he said the same thing on May 1st, then that's newsworthy because by May 1st, you will have had the opportunity to trade for quarterbacks, the opportunity to sign free agents, and the opportunity to draft a quarterback in the first or second round, right? So then we'll know what the quarterback room looks like, the quarterback landscape. And Kevin Stefanski admitted as much yesterday. You know, yeah, he said yes when asked if he's still confident in Baker, fully confident in Baker as a starter. He said yes, and then he got asked about, well, you know, do you need to bring in a challenger? And he, you know, he said, oh, we are challenging these guys anyway, yada, yada. But he left the door open for changes at that position. And that's not breaking news because we expect that. If your quarterback plays poorly and doesn't have a contract extension, then, yeah, my at least my working assumption is the Browns will change that position, whether it's sign a guy, trade for a guy, draft a guy that position is going to change. And then the question will be, okay, is Baker still the starter? Have they added competition? Have they just added a backup? Have they added a rookie who will sit and watch for a year, but then maybe take over the following year because Baker's not under contract, under long-term contract? Um, Those are the things that can change in the next two months. So the stance today or yesterday or whenever Andrew Baker said it really isn't a surprise. Yeah, great points there made by you. Be interesting to see it play out, no question. We've been talking about it, and then we'll watch and see what happens. But that's all we can do right now. And I want to get to the wide receiver now. You know, you talked about Jarvis Landry, and I'm going to eventually get to Garrett Wilson, and and that's a a big name, someone that you guys talk to and, and is there. Do you think the Browns go wide receiver at 13 for sure? I don't. I get the, okay. yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying they won't. I'm just saying, I don't think it's a certainty. Um, and, and I say that for a couple of reasons. One is I just feel like organizationally when they rank positions, receivers, I don't think at the top of the list, right? I think you have receiver, I'm sorry, you have quarterback, pass rusher, probably offensive lineman, cornerback, and then receiver. Now, I don't know that for certain. I'm just saying that feels like how the Browns think when they go about building their roster. Um, so do you, do they think that 13 is too valuable of a resource to spend on a receiver? And I don't know that. And I'm sure Andrew Barry or Paul DePodesta would say that they're willing to make exceptions. And we saw that, right? We saw them trade up to take a linebacker. Nobody thought they would do that in the second round last year. Um, but they did for, you know, JOK. So I, so I would never rule it out. I, I just think they prefer to get a receiver in the second round and think that maybe the gap between 13 and 44 isn't that great. Um, this is my opinion. Um, and the other factor is, you know, who knows how defensive ends going to shape up? Do they re-sign Jadavion Clowney? Though they haven't yet. Um, if they don't have Jadavion Clowney and Tack McKinley is a free agent and suffered a torn Achilles at the end of the year, um, they don't have anybody behind Miles Garrett. So could they draft a pass and pass rusher, defensive end at number 13, and then you pair a guy with Miles Garrett for the next five years? That makes sense to me. Yeah. 
Yeah, right? you know what though, but Scott, here's one thing I'm going to say though, and and I know that you're you're right about where they rank the positions, but maybe is it time to think differently in the aspect of? Yeah. And I know wide receiver isn't as is important at cornerback and defensive line, but they they did go out and get Miles Garrett and they did go out and get cornerbacks. You just saw the Bengals go to the Super Bowl after drafting Jamar Chase. The Rams were what they were big time because of Cooper Cup and then eventually getting Odell Beckham Jr. Another story we could talk about <laughs> before we end. But the bottom line is, man, if you see a guy at 13 that could be a difference maker and change this offense, which you know, we, we need, uh, it's amazing, but we, we do need a receiver. I mean, is that, do you have to consider it? Yeah, you, you definitely have to consider it. And, you know, plenty of mock drafts have LeBron's taking a receiver. And I would not be stunned if they took one. I'm just saying, I don't think it's a slam dunk. Like, I feel like Good call, most right? people yeah. believe it's going to be a receiver. And I'm saying there's reasons it might not be a receiver. And, you know, it comes down to Chud, and you know this, it's, it's about the player, right? If you love the player at 13, regardless of position, then you yeah. probably take that guy. But you also have to rate it. Do you think, are you better off with the address you get at 13 and the receiver you get at 44 or flip it? The receiver you get at 13 and the address you're at 44, right? It's about depth of class, um, depth of position. So, I, I, you know, I would be surprised if it weren't one of those two positions, although I think you have to leave a little bit of a door open for quarterback um, and, and, a, uh, yeah. and a smaller door for defensive tackle. Uh, because that's also a big need, but uh, you know, wait, I would wait, I'd say eighty percent is going to be receiver, defensive end at number thirteen. But who at quarterback at thirteen? Well, I mean, the two guys would be Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis. Yeah, all right. Well, we'll talk more about right. that in future yeah. episodes. Yeah. But yeah. I, I just, I, yeah, you're right. I mean, they would they would be doing themselves a disservice if they took a receiver that was, let's say, eight players down the board compared to. Uh, defensive lineman or another position at 13, right? Is that what you're saying? Right. Yeah, I mean, say you yeah. could get say you could get the third best edge rusher at 13 and think you could, uh, you know, get the fifth best receiver at 44, right? whatever that calculus is. Or you have a plan where you move up from 44 and you think you can get to 28 and Chris Olave's there. And then you go, okay, well, is, you know, Jermaine Johnson, the pass rusher from Florida State plus Olave, a better, com- a better combination than Garrett Wilson and edge rusher X at 44, right? I mean, that's that's what you go through. Um, so, I, you know, like I said, I would not be surprised if they took a receiver, and I might even bet on receiver 13. I'm just saying I think fans shouldn't be surprised if it winds up not being a receiver. What are your thoughts on Garrett Wilson and obviously headlines with him going to the same high school as Baker? Yeah, I, I thought that was interesting. Baker is, is his guy, and, you know, maybe – if it winds up being Baker, right? If he's a starter because you can't find a better option or the Browns really believe that he can bounce back, um, and then if that's the case, right? If, if Baker's going to be the guy in 2022, then you got to figure out a way to make it work with Baker. And, you know, adding a guy that you know is good, right? Everybody's watched Garrett Wilson at Ohio State, light it up, a bit really impressive guy, um, really impressive player. If you also know that, he has some kind of connection with Baker because they went to the same high school and um, they drew together during quarantine. Wilson said yesterday, then that to me, that just adds to it. Right. I mean, you wouldn't take a player just because he has a connection with Baker, but if you already love that player and he's got a connection with Baker um, and Baker's going to be your guy, I, I like that. Right. So 
I could see Garrett Wilson at 13. I'm not, don't know if there's a, you know, I don't think it's guaranteed that he will get to 13. Um, you know, there's a lot of good players in this draft. There's some other good receivers that the Browns would have to consider. Um, you know, Burks from Arkansas and Drake London from USC are two guys that I was impressed with looking at them yesterday. Um, you know, you got Jameson, is it Jameson Williams? I get all these names confused. The Alabama kid that tore his ACL. You know, would you take a flyer on him? Because if he hadn't torn his ACL, he'd be in the discussion. So there's other receivers to consider, but I like the idea of Wilson. And um, and I do like that Baker fact. Another article I saw, or at least a tweet by you, was talking about the chemistry, because that, that was being questioned, right? At yeah. the end, of, we, we talked about it, and the, the players had kind of alluded to it. Anything there? Yeah, it's interesting. Um that was kind of one of the themes of the getaway day, right? We talked to these guys the day after the season and it was there's not enough team chemistry and um, we need to build more camaraderie. And Andrew Barry, when we talked to him and then Kevin, Kevin Spansky again yesterday, really kind of downplayed that. And their opinion, and I think it's an organizational opinion, is when you lose, people are looking for reasons, Right. And that includes the players. And that's, I don't know if it's an easy thing to point to, but I think it's a kind of nebulous thing that players can point to. Well, the chemistry wasn't good enough. Um, and I'm not saying the players are wrong, but what I'm telling you is that um, Andrew Barry in January and Kevin Stefanski yesterday both really downplayed it. And they, they're not downplaying the need for team chemistry. They're downplaying that it was an issue this season. Um I don't know exactly if I believe them. I would say that when you had the Odell Beckham Jr. issue at midseason and guys were coming out saying we'd welcome him back even after the video and even after Odell never apologized for the video and let Baker Mayfield hang there. Um, I, I think that I'd be surprised if that didn't have some impact in the locker room, right? So um, I guess the overall point is it's interesting that Stefanski – was the latest to kind of downplay that when the players made an issue of it and it seems like a real thing. Now, I don't think it's the reason the Browns won eight and nine, um, but I do believe that it can be improved because why else would the players say that? Sure. Another story, uh, they're going to have a joint practice with the Eagles. Yeah. Do you like that? I, I do. Um, you know, I, I, I'm trying to – I was trying to remember if I've covered many joint practices because they had some on the road that I didn't go to um, with Tampa Bay a year or two. Um, and maybe I, you know what, I covered some in Rochester when they did the bills during Mike Patton's time here. Um, but it had been a while since I covered them until last year when the Giants visited. And I do think it, it just changes the dynamic of a training camp practice, right? You get so bored. You've been out there, Chad. It's the same thing every day. There's a lot of monotony. Now you're bringing these fresh faces, and not only does it spice things up energetically for the players and the media and the fans, it also gives you a better evaluation tool because you see your guys going against other, you know, new guys, and it's ones versus ones. And I do think that's valuable. So, and I know Kevin Stefanski really thinks it's valuable because he wanted to do it in his rookie year in 2020, um, and then the, the pandemic shut it down. So, I like it. You know, you got to worry about the fights. Um, but outside of that, I think it's, I think it's beneficial, uh, especially when we see so fewer and fewer A-list players 
actually play in the preseason games, especially in the early preseason games. And you mentioned it earlier, but Stefanski said he's going to continue to call the plays. Yeah, we talked about that. I'm fine with that. Um, I understand the question, obviously. I understand if someone said, hey, the offense wasn't good enough and he's calling the plays, so that's a problem. I don't think that was the biggest problem. I think quarterback play was a bigger problem. Um, So, yeah, but Kevin Stefanski is going to be the guy. He still gets input from other people. He stressed that Alex Van Pelt, the coordinator, still has a dominant voice, not only in helping call the plays and with the game plan, but in the quarterback room. Because now they switched, and Drew Petzing, the former tight ends coach, is now going to be the quarterback's coach. And they didn't have a quarterback coach the last two years. It was Van Pelt in that role. So this takes some of that off his plate. But um, Stefanski was clear in saying Van Pelt still has the dominant voice in that quarterback room. They just think adding Petzing to the equation will help. So anything else before I have one last thing I want to bring up that doesn't have to do with the combine, anything else from the combine you want to hit on? Um, no, I don't think so. You know, and all the kind of things that I glean from here, we'll talk about in the run up to the draft, right? If I think um, Traylon Burks, you know, does he look big enough and how this guy sound and, you know, Malik Willis, I'm going to work on a story about him today, the quarterback from Liberty. I, I really liked how he talked yesterday. And of course, that's not the end all be all, but he's also a great athlete with a big time arm, right? So if you kind of draw that stuff together, um, I could see how a coaching staff or an organization would see him and interview him and think, man, I like this kid and I kind of like where his head is and where his attitude is. Um, so we'll talk about a bunch of these things, but, you know, that's another thing you take from the combine. Um, but I think we hit on all the big points, Chuck. Last thing, we never got a chance to talk about the uh, Super Bowl. Uh, you got it right with the Rams. Uh, <laughs> I, I think we both we both got the cover. I got to tell you, though, man, I you know, I just can't believe the Bengals. They made two major mistakes in my mind. The end of the game there when they had that third and one handing off to the backup running back. When you got Nixon and Chase and all this talent, you handed it off to P. Ryan. And they did it in the first quarter, too. He had two carries for zero yards. I just hate, you know, the reason I'm bringing it up, I hate sometimes when the coaches get so cute because, hey, the Bengals were very close to winning that game. Oh, they certainly were. There's no doubt about it. That's an interesting point you bring up, Chud, because, uh, you know, I think when you, you know, I feel like I'm so in-depth with the Browns that when they go to Dearness Johnson on a third down or whoever it is, I know that they're going to do that because I've seen them do it all year long or in practice or whatever. But some fans wonder, well, why isn't Kareem Hunt getting the ball? Why isn't Nick Chubb on the field? And that's just not how the Browns have it set up. But when I see it, so I understand it, and it doesn't, you know, maybe stick out to me as much as it would a fan, and I understand the thinking. But when I watch it in a huge situation like the Super Bowl with another team that I'm not as familiar with, it does stand out to me too. You know, like, well, why is that guy getting the ball and not the other guy, you know? So – uh, you know, you have an interesting point, and I do think the Bengals should have won that game, right? I mean, they had every opportunity to expand that lead. I mean, they got a, you know, they got the non-call at the start of the third quarter, which was big, um, but they had chances to win that game and couldn't do it. In you know, part of it was because their offensive line couldn't hold up. And other thing is, uh, I don't know. 
I love Al Michaels. He's he's maybe my favorite play-by-play guy. I mean, he's right up there. Big fan, but and I saw you tweet this. I don't think he and the national media really are giving the proper uh credence or whatever the word would be for OBJ necessarily. The the perspective, the national perspective compared to low. Yeah, I, I Sean, I, I can tell you what I got. I just kind of thought it was an offhanded tweet that I put out about Al Michaels talking about OBJ. Um, and it got all kinds of traction, you know, Twitter traction. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just think that they got it wrong. They got the OBJ leaving Cleveland, winding up in LA narrative wrong. That's not how it happened. The Browns didn't just give up on OBJ. He quit on the team. He forced his way out of town and wound up in LA. And we've talked about it. I don't think the ends justifies the means in this situation. Um, you can still say, hey, good for Odell that he won a Super Bowl. And that's what Stefanski said yesterday. Um, but I think he should have toughed it out with the Browns. And I think just because he got that Super Bowl doesn't mean he handled it the right way at all. Yeah. But I will say this, he, uh, you know, he, he ended up doing better than I thought he would. I'll give him credit. And it's a shame he got the injury, but uh, yeah, it didn't like the way that he went about doing it for sure. Yep. I'm with you, bud. I'm with you now, you know, and then it's sad that he tore the ACL and we'll see what happens. You know, can he come back again? Cause he's had a lot of injuries the last, whatever. Now we're looking at five, six years of injuries, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, go get some St. Elmo's. Thanks, buddy. Um, I'm going to do some right. I'm going to do some right first. Watch a quarterback workout, and then uh, then I'm going to go get something. I'll tell you that. So, Chud, thanks yeah. for taking the time, buddy. Um, we'll do this again soon. We got free agency starting in two weeks, so we're going to have plenty to talk about. Um, probably from now until the draft, or at least plenty of weeks from now until the draft. So, thanks again, Dave Chudowski. Thanks everybody for listening. Um, you can find all my work at brownzone.com. And this has been the Bronze Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. Thanks.